Hey, what's up, guys? It's Will Bowman with The Art of the Interview. Good evening, good morning, and good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. So today on the episode, this is kind of a little bit of a fun episode, um, I am going to talk about 11 conversation skills that work for both interviews and coffee dates. Now, I say a lot on this podcast that interviewing techniques um, translate really well into one-on-one conversation. Um, I find a lot of the uh, techniques that I use in interviews, I kind of find myself subconsciously using um, in conversations, both with people who I don't know very well, and also in conversations with people who I do, um, namely my wife, um, just you know, friends that I get coffee with and just have conversations with. So, you know, these techniques are really great whenever you're trying to create a space or just exist in a space where you're building intimacy. Um, And that can be on an interview set or that can be with a friend or a family member. Um... Wherever you are, whatever type of relationship communication setting that you're in, a lot of the techniques work really well um, for any of it. So I'm going to talk today about 11 of those skills and techniques um, that work for both. And I'm going to take this quickly. We're going to go quickly through these. We're not going to spend a lot of time on each, but I'm I will... Um, go back in future episodes and talk about these individually. Um, uh, Some of them I've already talked about in previous episodes. So if you're interested in one or more, I'm sure if you do a search, um, you might be able to find more about that particular one either now or in the future. All right, I am going to stop introing and start explaining And we're going to start with number one, which is be on time. Now, this might be more important in some areas of the world than others, but one quick way to start the process of building intimacy with someone is to show up on time. And the reason for that is, is that when you show up on time, that is a subconscious nod that you respect the time that they have blocked off for you, whether that's for your coffee date or for your interview. This is particularly important in the interview setting because a lot of times the interview is something that is more difficult than a casual conversation because there's recording involved. But conversations and coffee dates and those kinds of things showing up on time can also be a really great way quick way to show someone hey i value your time i value your presence and i want to make the most of the time that we've set aside for each other so be on time and if you're not going to be on time let them know some you know things happen stuff happens i've had times where i have been late for an interview myself, but letting them know 
in advance can go a long way. I had an interview I was doing with a artist about a year ago, and I was running behind. I had to drive 30 minutes to get to his house to do the interview. And I simply sent him an email saying, hey, I'm running a little late. See you soon. When I showed up, he said, the interview made it all better. All right, so that's the first one. Number two, the space matters. There's a reason that coffee shops look the way that they do. They're open. They're spacious. There's lots of natural light. It's relaxed. It's comfortable furniture. It's not cluttered. People enjoy conversing and letting their guard down in spaces that are congruent with that. For many years, I did interviews in a crowded, cluttered studio at my old workplace. And that was always frustrating to me because I always felt like the space was subtracting from the container and the intimacy that I was trying to develop with the people. There was nothing as discouraging for me than seeing a space dirty and cluttered when I'm supposed to bring this person in and make them feel welcome. What does a dirty space say to someone? You weren't valuable enough for me to take the time to clean to make things look nice. If you're doing interviews, if you're going on a coffee date, pay attention to the space. It doesn't have to be perfect. just has to be relaxed. Show it a little love. Clean it up. Put things away. Tidy. Dust. Those little things can go a long way to getting someone to relax, settle into a space, and just generally be present with you. All right, number three. This one's kind of a question. What are you drinking and who's buying the drinks? A lot of times when I'm doing an interview, I will actually offer to buy drinks for the person who I'm interviewing. When I say drinks, I don't mean alcoholic drinks. I mean coffee or the particular drink that that person likes. This is a great way to connect with kids, especially. If you're interviewing a kid, ask ask them what their favorite soda is. What's your favorite soda? What's your favorite fizzy drink? And then bring that drink to the studio. That's a great way to not only get on the good side of the kid, but to get on the good side of the parent. And here's the thing. When the parent relaxes, the kid will too. So, you can do that with parents as well. What what are you drinking and who's buying the drinks? That can also work in conversations. Buy the other person a drink very affordable way of just saying, hey, I value you, value your time. Let me buy for you today. Number four, set an intention. What are you intending to do with this time? And I know that might seem weird in a casual conversation, but it's actually not a lot of times. A lot of times I find if I'm going out to coffee or having a conversation with them, you know, if I just say at the beginning or if I'm having a meeting, This is what I'm intending with this conversation. You know, what are you intending? What would you like to get out of this? Oh, well, this is what I'd like to get out of. That can go a really long way to sort of just creating the space for what's going to happen. And it has the added benefit of 
exposing any mismatched expectations. Sometimes one person wants to talk more than the other. This is a great way to essentially say, hey, this is what I want to get out of this conversation. Works great on an interview as well. A lot of times, what I'll do before an interview, especially a live interview, I will actually sit with the person and say, this is what how we're going to start. This is what's going to happen. This is kind of the stuff that we're going to talk about. Sometimes I'll provide them with questions. These are really great ways to getting the person to feel like they're in a controlled space. You know what's going on. And it also gives them freedom to say, hey, this is what I would like to talk about. This is what I think is important, right? It gives them voice and agency if you broach the subject of intention. And it helps you to make the most of your time. You spend less time talking about superfluous subjects and more things talking about subjects that you really actually want to talk about. All right, that's number four. Number five, set the container and hold the space. This one is a little bit abstract, and I'm not going to go too deeply into what setting the container is and holding the space. And it's actually more of a general concept that many of these other techniques apply to. The container is kind of sort of a more, I don't want to say spiritual because it's not spiritual, energetic field that you are creating that safe, comfortable, controlled, and relaxed so that the person that you are with can feel comfortable enough to let their guard down and be genuine and honest with you. That can work both with a coffee date or an interview. And there are many different ways to set, set the container and hold the space and when I say hold the space, I just mean holding that container, continuing it. You're setting it in the beginning and then you're holding it as you continue on with the conversation or the interview. And all these things that we're talking about contribute to that. Being on time, cleaning the space, buying them a drink, setting the intention. All of these things are part of setting the container and then holding that container so that throughout the experience of the conversation or the interview, they feel safe, comfortable, relaxed. There are things that threaten the container throughout the conversation, or at least there can be. And there are techniques of dealing with those, which I'm not going to go into in this episode. That'll be a subject for another podcast on another date. So that's number five. Number six, have a plan, then be flexible. So setting an intention kind of fits in with this. I've found personally for me, both when I have a conversation or when I do an interview, that having some sort of an intention, having questions, having a subject, but then being flexible and allowing things to go where they need to go rather than where I necessarily want them to go is a good mix of both the control and freedom aspects of what you're trying to do. You don't want to go in completely floundering because that's not good for them feeling confident, right? You wanna go in with a little bit of structure, a little bit of outline. However, you don't wanna try and hold to something so tightly that you squelch any freedom or variety that might come or any genuine sort of tangents which might take you someplace, right? 
You want to be reactive. You want to be connected to what the person's actually saying. And we'll talk a little bit more about that with another one of the points. But generally speaking, you want to be flexible. So have a plan, then be flexible. If you're having a conversation, maybe you're taking your wife out to talk to her about something, right? Take her out, buy her dinner, hold on to that intention, hold on to that plan, but don't be afraid to just relax and enjoy your wife a little bit. You know, talk about something else, right? If it doesn't feel right, maybe don't talk about it that night. Talk about something else. Maybe talk about the thing that's really important that night. You can feel it. All right, next point. Hold anything that comes. This is a hard one, and this is something that I have to work on every day, both in my casual conversations and in my interviews. As human beings, we have things which are easy for us to hold, hard for us to hold. And what I mean by hold is to accept, embrace, um, be present with, just accept that it is, right? And accept that that's how how it is. And we can do that for ourselves, and we can do that for other people as well. And some, all of us have things which are easier to hold than others, right? So, for example, for me, sadness is actually something which is pretty easy for me to hold. For whatever reason, I can hold sadness pretty well. Anger, on the other hand, is not as easy for me to hold. I grew up in a family that was we had a lot of anger. And so that was something that triggers me. It triggers me. It makes it more difficult, right? I feel less like I can just hold that and be with that. And I feel more like I need to fix it, right? You may have something different. But whatever that thing is, as an interviewer and as a conversationalist, the ability to just hold that and not try to fix it, to not try to wish that it was different than it was is really key to that person feeling comfortable with you because likely that's not to say and there's a big difference between holding the space and like affirming the thing right just because you hold something doesn't mean you have to think that it's right or accurate or that it should be that way you simply are saying this is how this is in this moment and that's That's the way that it is. I can hold that. I can accept that, right? I can embrace that. Not even just accept it. I can embrace the fact that this is how it is and that there's something good about the thing in this moment, right? Because a lot of times people, they know what things need to be, you know, worked on, right? They know what things are not healthy, right? But if you can hold that thing for them, if you can love it, if you can just embrace that it is the way that it is and not feel like you have to fix it or change it, that's a really big thing for someone, right? If you're interested in knowing more about this subject, I recorded an entire episode probably about a month back, a month or two back. Go listen to it. I talk more about it in depth. But this is a great thing to do both in conversations and in interviews. And it's something you have to work on, right? You have to notice the things that you have a hard time holding. And you have to work on holding those things. All right. So that's that one. We're going to move on to the next one, which is reflecting posture. Now, 
most people who are in psychology or, um, you know, any other sort of field, right, where you're working with people, they are taught how our physical presence allows people to open up and makes people feel comfortable or not comfortable, right? And our posture is one of those things, right? They've done studies where certain postures, particularly reflected postures, make a person more comfortable and open as opposed to com- you know, postures that are conflicting or um, adversarial, right? Um, if you're sitting on the same side of a table with someone, that's a more congruent posture as opposed to sitting across from someone. Um, if you're sitting side by side, that's a great way to feel more on the same page, right? Again, reflecting their posture. If they cross their legs, you cross your legs, you know? And that's not to say be weird about it. You know, don't just like every move that they make, just mirror them. Like, that'd be weird. Don't do that. But allow your body to reflect them. Because I find that I tend to do it just on my own. I don't know why. I don't think consciously about doing it. But there's something about that thing that my body just does it, right? I don't like try to do it, but it's something that happens. And you can notice it, right? But you can also notice when your posture is maybe not making that feeling, right? Like maybe you're too close or maybe you're, you know, not far, not you're too far away, right? Whatever that thing is, just let your posture reflect that you're present with them, that you're on the same side. Now to coffee date, you know, if they're kind of more relaxed, let yourself relax. You know, if they're more formal, maybe you're sitting up more formally, you know? Allow your body to reflect what they're giving off, and that's going to put them more at ease because you're on the same side. All right, next point. Be present where you are. This is so difficult sometimes. And actually, in the last episode, I talk about techniques that you can use to be more present where you are. But I'm not going to talk about that. But the important thing is here is that whether you're having a conversation with someone or whether you're interviewing someone, a really big way to build intimacy and trust is for you to be present with them. What that means, this is a huge pet peeve of mine, put away your phone unless it's some emergency. And if there is, let the person know, right? Put away your phone. Don't be texting other people, right? There's nothing that makes someone feel less than important like you texting someone else casually while you're interacting with them. I used to have someone who would do that all the time and it really drove me crazy. It was very hard to feel like that person really wanted to be with me when I was sitting there with them, right? Be present where you are. And there are techniques that you can use to bring yourself back into the moment when you find your mind wandering. All right, next point, actively listen and respond. And this kind of ties in with being present where, where you are. Interviewing and conversation are reactive arts. They're not proactive arts. They're a little bit proactive, but they're largely reactive. They're curiosity-based, right? If you go into a conversation with everything scripted out, right? Oh, if this person says this thing, I'm going to say this. It's going to be weird, right? It's not going to work well. It's not organic, Same with interviews. If you have everything scripted out, they're not going to feel like you're actually listening to them. You need to actively be curious, listen, and respond to what they're saying. 
and not be constantly thinking about, oh, what do I say next? What do I ask next? And this is hard to do sometimes. Like, I get it. Like, I'm not like downing on people. Like, this is not easy all the time. And the more present you can be, the easier it is, right? Because you're engaged with what they're actually saying. But actively listen and respond. That's going to go a long way to them feeling like you're present with them, right? If you're engaging with what they're actually saying. The last item, number 11, is respect their time. This is a big one. Same thing with being on time. If you've set to be done at 1 p.m., bring awareness to that. Oh, it's, hey, it's five minutes before one. I want to respect your time. You know, I don't know if you have anything else going on. If they don't have anything else going on, they'll say so. And you can keep going. But, you know, bring awareness to that. Don't just keep talking and assume that they have t- more time to be with you, right? Bring awareness to it. Check in with them. If you have extra time, if they have extra time, awesome. This is something that Tim Ferriss does all the time in his interviews. Say He, you know, he says, hey, we're running up on time. Just want to bring awareness to that. Sometimes they go longer. Sometimes they go shorter. Something I do when I'm in meetings or in conversations, whatever it is, shows them that you respect the fact that you're not their only schedule. We lead busy lives these days, right? And by bringing awareness to that, you're respecting them, you're honoring the time they've given to you. Even if you keep talking, they know, hey, this person was intending to be done when they said they were going to be done, right? So that wraps it off. We started with be on time, we ended up with respect on time, and in between there were nine other points that we talked about. So I'm going to summarize them really quick. Be on time. Choose a good space. What are you drinking and who's buying the drinks? Set an intention. Set set and hold the container. Have a plan, then be flexible. Hold anything that comes. Reflect posture. Be present where you are. Actively listen, respond, and respect their time. End on time. All right, that's your 11 conversation skills that work both for interviews and coffee dates. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight to uh, to the episode. If you're interested in learning more about these ones, there are many of them I've already talked about in other episodes more in depth, and I will be sure to come back to the ones that I have not later on in other episodes um, and cover them more in depth. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast. All right, guys, we'll see you later.